This is episode 35 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. Welcome, welcome. It's so good to see you back again at the Inner Game of Aging podcast. This is episode 35. Times have changed in oh so many ways from what they were in our parents' days. Technology, as we saw in our last episode, has given us wonderful advantages, but have also given us marvelous complications as well. It could be said that dying today is so very different than dying was 50 years ago. Of course, this is not true for the person who has passed away, of course. That process has gone unchanged since the beginning of man. But the complications and burdens on the loved ones left behind are so much more than they were yesteryear. A person's life can now be measured by, quote-unquote, his digital footprint. The digital footprint is the extent of his life that was conducted online and represents things like his social media accounts, his online business affairs, his subscriptions and memberships, and all of his cloud accounting, and this is only a portion of it. These days, even our grandmothers have larger digital footprints than you would initially imagine. When someone passes away, The loved ones most often go on a scavenger hunt to pull together the pieces of the deceased's life to form a proper legacy or to resolve all matters of the estate and to put all affairs at rest and at peace. This is no small matter these days since information about anyone can be tucked away in the various nooks and crannies of the internet even if the the deceased did not own any computers. Whether we feel this sense of responsibility or not, it is still our duty to make the burdens of our passing as easy as can be on those we leave behind. Failure to do so can have devastating effects on families for years. We are never truly prepared for when a loved one passes away, but end-of-life planning is very important in easing these kinds of burdens. End-of-life planning has become critical enough so that many employers include this as an employee benefit. But that doesn't help the growing number of us who do not have employers offering these kinds of things to us. My guest today is Jonathan Braddock, who has created a service and a website after studying the problem that will help you make such end-of-life plans much easier. He has also authored a book with the intriguing title of Click Here When I Die. The book provides a roadmap that you can create for your loved ones to follow after you pass away to close up all of your affairs with minimal grief and strain. The book provides much insight on the things that will be needed when the time comes and creates a plan for gathering the documents and artifacts that will be required. And at the end of this episode, I will tell you how to get Jonathan's book for free. This information will also appear in the show notes page for this episode. 
And of course, there will be more information about the things that John and I mention in this episode. The show notes page will contain all of this additional information. There you will find more information about John's website and service, which is called mylifeandwishes.com. Insider Club members will have access to discount coupon codes, which can be used on the site. You will find this additional information on the show notes page for the episode, which is at the following URL. InnerGameOfAging.com forward slash IGA35. And speaking of additional information and resources, I've added a website page that lists all the informational resources that are available from IGA. This includes transcripts, PDFs, articles, and even free books for you. It is all listed on the site, and each each item listed is available to Insider Club members only. You can see this list of resources at the following URL inner game of aging forward slash IGA resources. That's resources plural or one word no spaces. You can also follow the menu items on the website to get to the same page. The list of informational resources is growing and as insider club members all you have to do is click on the downloadable links in the email that you will receive in order to obtain any one of them in your inbox. There'll be more information for you about doing this on the resource page itself. Again, the link for the resource page is innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA resources. And so with all of that out of the way, let's turn our attention to this very intriguing conversation that I've had with John Braddock. I want to do is I want to understand, John, how you got into the space that you are in. It's a very intriguing space, very relevant, I find, for this day and age, and with people getting older and doing what we all do eventually die. (laughs) Um, How did you get into this space? Well, quite by accident, uh, I should say. Yeah, I had been in the uh, financial world for 35 years, Mm -hmm. uh, had a financial services company and worked with uh, tens of thousands of uh, employees that worked for for employers, which were our clients. Um, But it wasn't until my father-in-law passed away um, just four years ago now that I had to deal with and my wife had to deal with uh, closing out someone's final affairs following uh, their death. And through you know, you know, 30-some years of talking about life insurance and retirement planning and, and having all those pieces in place, um, the one piece that, that I really wasn't familiar with was really what happens when that person departs. Um, and what happened for us was a nearly uh, one full year scavenger. Wow scavenger hunt, if if you will, to find things uh, and eventually locate uh, documents, accounts, and and such, Mm -hmm. and then be able to access those and finally close them out. 
<laughs> I was speaking to a widow, a widow the other day who has been a widow now for at least two or three years, and she says she's still trying to find all the remnants of her husband's accounts. And I thought that was rather strange. After two or three years, things are still not settled as yet. And so, not, so perhaps you're right. <laughs> not, not uncommon. Hmm. And, and probably the bigger question is for, for her, in her case, and for us, in ours, did we find everything? Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I put that out there from a standpoint of, you know, coming from a financial services background, I know that over $1 billion, with a B, billion dollars mm. of insurance has gone unclaimed. Wow. And the reason is, you know, life insurance, while a phenomenal tool and people should have this, mm-hmm. it's only valuable if your beneficiaries know of its existence. Ah, yes, that's right. <laughs> so, so I could have a great life insurance policy and I might name you, Lee, as my beneficiary, but if you don't know it exists, hmm. never going it's to all the waste. Right. So, right. so that's a lot of money uncollected. I wonder how I can tap into all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Life insurance companies uh, obviously don't have people on their staff that sit around every morning, scan the obituaries, looking for potential policyholders in which to pay money out. That's right. <laughs> conversely, conversely, they do have people that are on their staff that are calling us all the time, reminding us to pay our premiums. <laughs> <laughs> this seems out of balance almost, but you know. So now you run a website called um, Life Wishes. How old is that website? It's, it provides some very interesting services which I want to get into. How old is the website? Well, uh, the website, My Life and Wishes, is now about one year old mm-hmm. uh, since we launched, sure. although we've been developing it for three. It sure. took us about two years to actually build it to the uh, standards and security protocols yep. that we mm-hmm. wanted to have okay. uh, in, involved. Now, for my listeners, I will have links um, to John's website as well as a number of other additional pieces of information and possibly some offerings in the episode show notes page. Of course, the episode show notes page, as you know, you all know the pattern of finding the show notes page at this point in time. I'll repeat it again toward the end of the episode. But um, these additional information and offerings and John's website will also be on the show notes page. So now, um, so you launched about a year ago and it was the impetus of your father-in-law dying that showed you how, how deep this problem was. And so this website is trying to solve this problem. Describe the services there. I, wanted, I found them very interesting. If you can describe the services there. Yes, I will. Uh, and just a little background on that. After uh, we were going through this process and far from uh, completing with the final uh, details of my father-in-law's life, mm-hmm. it, it really dawned on me that for an 88-year-old man who had passed away, that it was so hard to locate and track everything down, it really occurred to me that if something were to happen to me or mm. to Michelle at the same time, our children who are just uh, uh, a few still in college and a few just beyond, they would have no idea 
even where to begin to look for things. And I thought, wow, this is, this is crazy. And I continued to speak with all kinds of people who were asking about how things were going after the passing of my father-in-law. And I would tell them, God, you know, it's crazy. You know, we're, we're still searching for this. You know, we found that safe deposit box key. But it, the, the safe deposit box itself was not at the bank that he hmm. banked at. And so that took us a while to find it. And so I started listing and listing and listing everything I could possibly think of that would guide people or effectively become a roadmap, if mm-hmm. you will, okay. for my family after I died and listed and we thought, you know, people have as near as I can figure on this planet for 300,000 years. And statistically, at least so far, one out of one of us, in fact, are going to pass away at some point. <laughs> so, so why not make it easier uh, for those we love after we're gone to be able to find all this stuff? And so our website in and of itself is a very simple, uh, intuitive, and easy-to-use step-by-step guide listing everything that my family will need to know, starting with the most important did dad want to be buried or cremated? (laughs) Interesting. So, so again, capturing all this information is part of what the services you provide, but this job has become, it's changed a bit over in the past 30, 40, whatever time, time span we're talking about here. When my father passed away, we had problems, um, you know, finding everything that belonged to his estate as well. And I'm not sure that we found everything, but the job is different today than it was back then because people are into so much digital stuff. Digital landscapes are all around us these days and you never know where information resides anymore. And so, I mean, the problem has changed. Talk about the difference between what it was and what it is now. Oh, absolutely. As, as I, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about it uh, later, but in my book uh, that I recently published called Click Here When I Die, uh, I, I, I tell some great stories in there and, and have shared some stories from others. But, <clears throat> you know, the one I like to talk about is I grew up in a small town in southern New Jersey back in the 60s and 70s. And, and you know, full disclosure, I'm 55. I'll be 56 here another couple You're a baby. Months. <laughs> Thank you. I'm 67, so I'm, I'm told I act that way from time to time. But you know, growing up back then, um, you know, when someone passed away, pretty much everything that a person had—a life insurance policy, their financial documents, and everything—were were kept at home. They were in a desk drawer somewhere that that someone could find them because we didn't have any of this technology. Nothing was online. And everything likely that someone needed to close out a person's estate, such as what bills do they have, et cetera, everything would show up within a month or two in Mm. the mailbox. Now, you know, if there are any younger listeners, particularly any millennials out there, a mailbox is not the thing <laughs> that's on your computer. Yeah. It's, it's that thing down at the corner of the driveway or attached to the side of the house. And, you know, today, as I like to say, the only thing that really shows up in my physical mailbox anymore are coupons 
pizza flyers and once a year, a birthday card from my mom. <laughs> That's the mailbox, physical mailbox is becoming obsolete almost. <laughs> exactly. So. Because, you know, we do so much online today. Mm. I mean, technology has made our lives so much simpler, yet it's made our departure so much more complicated mm. for everyone else because, mm. you know, anymore, if, if it, it's almost as if, if I choose to pay my bills, receive them in the mailbox and write a check and send them. So it, it's almost like the companies make me feel guilty. <laughs> that, that I'm not environmentally friendly anymore. And they continue to suggest an offer. And many times they'll give you a discount. If you'll just pay your bills online and mm. stop with the paper statements. Yes, that's right. So we're encouraged to, uh, increase our digital footprint, if you will, and put more and more of our affairs in on the digital landscape into the cloud and all the rest of that stuff. And these things can be very um, you know, opaque to those around us. They don't know where to find the information that they need to carry on after us. You know, yeah, even my social media accounts. You know, how do I let people know what has happened to me? You know. Um, if I cannot let people know myself. Yeah. So. Exactly. You know, it's, it is, I tell people all the time, you know, I read two newspapers every day, mm -hmm. but those newspapers don't show up in my driveway. They're on my iPad. Ah, yes. And they continue to renew every month automatically through auto pay feature. But if something happens to me, if Michelle, my wife doesn't know how to even get into my iPad, you know, such mm. because we all secure our things, right? Yes. Um, it's going to continue to recur, which is money that she should have, but she's not going to get it. Until That's an excellent example. That's an excellent example. Yeah, access that information. Mm. And, and it goes so much deeper. People don't think about I talk to people and they go, yeah, I don't have a big online identity. You know, maybe a Facebook account and one or two bill things. It's like, well, have you ever bought anything online? What about Amazon mm -hmm. or Amazon Prime? Mm -hmm. Do you have Netflix? Mm -hmm. You know, any other subscriptions that many people use a Hello Fresh mm -hmm. or Blue Apron for, you know, you know, good food delivery. That's to right. Them. That's right. Those boxes are going to stack up out <laughs> to rot if, if somebody doesn't <laughs> know how to turn those off. You know, I had been thinking about this problem, John, and in all the thinking that I have done, those examples, those things that could occur that you just stated really escaped my thought. The minor inconveniences that we can endure on a day-to-day -day basis because we can't get to our accounts or someone can't get to our accounts, we can be draining money away just a little bit at a time without us even knowing about it or without our executors or those left behind even knowing about it. And I had not thought of those excellent examples that you just gave as to what happens if I don't disseminate my information. Right. So, you know, our lives are just, you know, you know, for the listener, you know, there, there's there, you know, we always want, you know, a couple of takeaways. The first thing I want people to take away from our chat today is to realize that your life is, in fact, far more complicated than you really believe it is. Mm. Our, our lives are extremely complicated. You know, I, I have people who have said to me, well, 
you know, I, I don't need, you know, an estate plan and all that kind of, hmm. of things. And it's like, wait a minute. Because they say, well, that's for the wealthy people. It's like, you know, estate is just a fancy word for stuff. <laughs> yeah. So think of it as a, a stuff plan. My yeah. stuff. You yeah. Know, what do you going to do with all your stuff? <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're born into this world naked and with no stuff. And the fact is we're going to leave it pretty much the exact same way. This stuff yeah, doesn't yeah. with us, but that stuff is disposed of. It becomes a huge, huge burden hmm. for the family. Not to mention the fact that family will fight, you know. People, Absolutely. I've seen that in my own family. Yeah, you know, Michelle and I, we have six children. We can't agree on what movie to see or what to have for dinner. Mm. So how in the world are they ever going to agree on, you know, did dad want to be buried or cremated? How mm-hmm. are they going to agree on whether or not we should take dad's Facebook page down or maybe we should memorialize it? Mm-hmm. How are they going to agree on who gets, you yeah, know? Yeah, oh, I can the, see that. The, I can see the, the issues. We had car. some of that. We had some of that in my own family when my father died. Um, there was a bit of contention as to how his stuff should be dispersed. You know, his, we call it stuff. You, we could say estate. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, stuff. the, you know, that sort of contention can easily arise under those circumstances. And to a large degree, that can be somewhat mitigated by the use of a will or something like that. Now, um, you, so you sort of take a heavy look at end of life planning. And I wanted to get your definition, your sense of what constitutes end-of-life planning. What is needed? What is the basic ingredients of end-of-life planning? Well, what I tell people, they say, what's an end-of-life plan? And, and my, my simple answer to try and make it understandable is a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Leave your family a roadmap of of everything and and what you include in that roadmap is is really up to you the more the better but anything helps mm-hmm. what i suggest would be because people will say oh god you know there, there's there's so much yeah yeah be forever to do this kind of stuff and let me draw an analogy to completing an end-of-life plan, much like you're a fitness guy, Lee, obviously all you're yeah. listening to that. I, <laughs> yeah. I am as well. And no one in the fitness space is ever going to tell you, tomorrow morning you're going to wake up 20 pounds lighter. Mm-mm. And if they do tell you that, run. Because right. it won't happen. But what they will tell you is this. You want to be 20 pounds lighter? We'll develop a plan, and in 60, 90 days, you can get there. Mm -hmm. And so what I tell people is much like weight loss or fitness, you're not going to develop your full end-of-life plan or your roadmap by tomorrow morning. But if you take it one step at a time. Ah, yes, I love that. 30, 60, 90 days, you've got it nailed. And so start with the easy stuff. Now, you just, you just touched upon a concept that I'm very, very strong here at the Inner Game of Aging. 
just a, a, a sentence or two on it. I call it the concept of better. Whatever you've done, John, you can always eke out more. If today you've list, lifted 100 pounds, surely tomorrow or within some short period of time, you can lift 101. And if you lift 101, then surely after some period of time, you can lift 103. And you can keep on going till you are lifting more than you ever thought possible just by taking these little steps, like your 15 minutes a day to fill out your end-of-life plan. By the time you've finished some period, you have it all nailed. I've cleaned entire basements out using 15 minutes a day. <laughs> so, so I really like that process of not just devoting a whole day to it, but just 15 minutes a day regularly, constantly will get you to where you're going. So. Exactly. Exactly. And it does take time. So what I, what I advise people is, look, the first thing that's going to happen is, you know, I'm going to die and people are going to have to make decisions. So the first things I'd like to talk about is, all right, what are my wishes? Does dad want to be buried or cremated? Does he want a, you know, a, a church funeral or does he just want a simple memorial service? Are there people we should contact that perhaps won't see an obituary locally. Maybe, you know, a college roommate who may live in another state or, mm -hmm. or an alumni association from the university or college that you went to. Those kind of things. And the other thing that, that I tell people, we have, we have a section within our platform where literally you can make obituary notes. Make obituary notes? <laughs> you know, because when we had to do my father-in-law's obituary, which you have to do within 24, 48 hours or so, start writing it. And you're trying to think through, in a great time of stress, mm. all the details of a person's life. And it's funny because about, I don't know, every couple of months, um, Michelle will take her mother, uh, my mother-in-law Marie, to church and comes home and Michelle's like, she said it again. And I'm like, what? She wants to do the obituary again. It's been. She wants to write her own obituary. No, she wants to write the one for Ted, my father-in-law, passed away because oh. she, she forgot stuff. Oh, 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 that's so <laughs> that's regrettable, <laughs> right? So it's like make notes, you know, put information about you that perhaps your children may not actually know, mm -hmm. um, or or have simply forgotten. Uh, I found out information in my mother's obituary. I found out information about her that I did not know, much to my surprise. You know, her involvement with the opera when she was a younger, you know, younger person. You know, I did not know how musically involved she was and the experiences that she's had over life because of that involvement. I was totally unaware of these things. That's shameful for me as a son, of course, but I was surprised that this came out to me in the obituary. So, um, right. Well, face it, you know, our children usually don't listen to everything. We <laughs> anyway. That's an understatement. All <laughs> right. Uh -huh. so, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, in the, uh, you know, couple of million or possibly billion words we say to our children mm. over the course of their lifetime, mm. how much do we expect them to truly remember? That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Now, in, in capturing this information, there's certain, see, you tend to start off, I've heard you start off by saying, well, do I want to be cremated or buried or some other 
sort of immediate types of decisions, but there is just so much more to this than such a decision. Again, I'd like to dig deeper as to what constitutes good end-of-life planning. Yeah, so what are some of the elements of an end-of-life plan? So, so a few more elements are, first of all, you know, once you get beyond that first step, the immediate, mm-hmm. you know, disposal of my remains, sure. it, has, it has to be paid for. Mm. Well, how's it going to be paid for? Do you have life insurance? And if so, you know, where is it located? Because don't send me on a scavenger hunt looking for life insurance. As, as we have discussed, you and I, Lee, um, you know, according to the Life Insurance Marketing Research Association, mm-hmm. a billion, a billion with a B dollars of life insurance has gone unclaimed. That's right. That's so shameful. The reason is that people don't know it exists. So if you have life insurance, you have to tell your family, yes, this is what I have. I have life insurance with, you know, this insurance company and this insurance company mm. so that they can access that. Okay. And, then, and then beyond that, do you have a will? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where's it located? How do we find it? Who's the attorney that mm. wrote that in case we can't find that? Where are all your bank accounts located? So that we can find those. Is there a safe deposit box? And if so, where's the key? I'm beginning to see why this takes some time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And, uh, you know, the other thing, you know, and, and, and all the other important documents, if a person is a trust and, and our platform allows you to give a full description of these things. Yes, I have it. Here's where it's located. Here's where to find it, et cetera. But you can also upload copies of these documents ah, okay. right into the account. So I'm not saying put a whole insurance policy in there. Yeah. The front page that says, you know, I'm insured with, you know, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, upload them because now the family doesn't have to dig through. You know, you yeah. Oh yeah. See, 70 years worth of boxes <laughs> files and trying. Oh to my goodness. I what just the thought of that is, is bothering me. <laughs> so, so your, your website provides a way to sort of capture all this information and keep it in one safe place. Um, you know, like, so I, I would imagine I'm just making assumptions here and saying the next thing, please correct me in, in signing up for your service. The basically I can spend 15 minutes a day, lay out all my plans, documents, and put anything I want in there. I can even, you know, include my children or my grandchildren into the information. I can disseminate it in any way I can. This is just assumption I'm making right now from understanding what you do and the valuable service that you're providing there. Can you go into detail about, about how this is captured and stored and, and disseminated? What happens after someone's, di- someone's died? How do they retrieve all this or some, their family retrieves all this information? Oh, absolutely. So, so as you put all the information, you put your documents and, and everything is, is again, very intuitive and simple to go through. There's different sections, family mm-hmm. section, documents, accounts, your, your social media and, and how to yep. access it. Now, the first thing is with, with, with an account, you can share it. 
with your partner, your spouse, whomever. So there's different sections within it. So mm-hmm. Michelle's has her side. I have my side. Ah, okay. Shared side. So if something happens to me, she knows all the information's there that she needs for me and vice versa. The is, it other, pri- is it privacy between those two or is it always shared between those two? Michelle and I have no secrets. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there is no privacy in a shared account. Sure. So okay. You and your co-owner can both see it. Now, sure. for, okay. for some people, they might say, look, you just get your own account. I'll get mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. And but I'll then, give you information on how to access mine should something happen to me. Something exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, so the way that happens is you assign what's called an authorized user. Now, an authorized user, um, you know, could be, you know, a, a child, an adult child or someone, you know, the, figure out which one is the responsible one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, Sometimes and they, that's a challenge right there. <laughs> right. And you can assign uh, simply with toggle switches for each section what they can see ah. and what they can edit. So, uh, okay. uh, as an example, my mother-in-law has an account, but she, you know, she doesn't know how to turn a computer on, mm-hmm. but we knew after my father-in-law, we needed to capture all the information for her. And so while she has an account, Michelle, my wife is, uh, the authorized user and she has full access to see okay. and edit. Okay. Um, certain things you might not want your authorized user to see. But what happens is, you know, let's say after uh, I die, Mm -hmm. when I sign an authorized user, whichever child that might happen to be, they will be assigned their own uh, login identity so that they can access the account. So they know, uh, (laughs) again, to reference the title of my book, click here when I die. I love that title. I really love that title. (laughs) Thank I really you. do. <laughs> so, so they know, they click there, boom, everything you need to know. Here's your digital roadmap that will provide you everything that you're going to need to know. Anything else that you find is crap, <laughs> you know, this is, this this is the road. Okay. Now, from a, from a protocol uh, standpoint, what happens is this. So let's say I have one of my children assigned as an authorized user, and they just decide, you know, I'm, I'm still alive and kicking. I'm doing great. But they decide, yeah. well, I would be a little nosy. See what dad's yeah. got in there, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so they go to log in. So they put in their information. And the first thing that pops up on the screen says, you know, not in these terms, but you'll understand the premise. Yeah. So they say, hey, Nick, you are about to access your dad's account. He will be notified. Ah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> do you wish to continue? <laughs> So, so now Nick is a choice. He will be notified and be gone, uh-huh. or you know, obviously. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. So if he's a, if he has a legitimate concern there, of course he click yes. I want to continue. Um, otherwise, he exactly. would he would get the hell out of there. Don't want Dad to know I'm snooping around. <laughs> right now, what we've found very helpful is that we do work with some uh, financial advisors uh, as well as attorneys across the country who's, uh, and as you can imagine, the attorney has access to many of the documents that a person might want to have stored in their account, as Mm -hmm. does the financial advisor. 
And so many times what we're seeing is I might list my attorney or mm-hmm. financial advisor as an authorized user, provide them access to be able to view and upload and edit into my documents section. Mm-hmm. So that I don't have to go through the challenge of scanning and trying to upload these documents myself. They can help me build my site. Sure. So once it's done, then I can turn their access off. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So I'm starting to understand how this works. This is one big gigantic repository. Now this, it sounds like there are sections in which you put various things, pieces of information now, that means it would have to be quite extensive to cover just about anything you can think of. And, you know, and you would probably have to have a section, again, I'm making assumptions here, where there would be a free flow of thought just to specify things that you couldn't have thought of. You know, um, describe how that side of things works. I mean, as you can tell, I'm kind of, my background is software. So right. I, don't, I don't want you to get into that kind of detail, but I'm interested as a user, you know, and my listeners are, would be using this and I want them, to, I want to give them ex- kind of an information about the experience they would have as they did so. so. Right. Mo- most of the sections were applicable. There's uh, sections for, for notes where you can, you know, list out notes or other random sure. talk. Mm-hmm. But what we tell people is this, we're, we're actually in the development process uh, now mm-hmm. of being able to upload and store video mm. so that, um, and, and, and this was a big one for me, you know, we have kids in college around the country. And since I don't know when my last day here may be, you know, the, the thing that, that has always resonated with me is what would I tell my daughter today mm. if I knew I wasn't going to be here tomorrow. And so we're working on the process now should have it available shortly where I can sit from my smartphone or my computer. I can record a video to family members and store them in there. So um, now at the end, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Hey guys, you know, if you're watching, yeah. it's probably not really great news, but <laughs> You know, you're going to be fine and, and, and leave those parting words. The other thing for people that are possibly camera shy, mm-hmm. uh, in the document section where you can upload and store things, what I tell people is, you know, write the letter. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know type it in a Word document or hand write it and, mm-hmm. it and upload it and store it in there so that you can uh, – you know, have availability to leave that, that final message. So within the document section, um, for anything that we've missed and we try and we keep updating when we think of other things, you know, pets was something that came in Ah, after, you know, the first Uh iteration, um, because we thought, wow, you know, some people, uh, will have pets will outlive them. Yes, that's right. Mm, That's right. In the case of birds and stuff like that. So we added that. And then what we like to tell people is, look, within the document section, you have that ability to upload anything you want, thoughts and, and, and things of that nature. Um, and things that aren't included in your will uh, mm-hmm. have a section where you can just, you know, leave things like, you know, 
you know, you're not going to leave your golf clubs in a will to somebody, but if there's a particular child or something you want to leave yeah. them to, you put, I leave yeah. my golf clubs here. Yeah. My, you know, my wife's case, you know, the, you know, the hundred pair of shoes. <laughs> <daughter>. <laughs> you know, listening to this, this sounds, you know, I can think of another use. It's not another use, but this whole repository of information sort of represents a legacy of sort. It, you know, and people are very big on leaving a legacy, being able to upload a video that has the last words to my children, you know, um, or a note that has last words to my spouse, or, you know, understanding what charitable organizations that I've been affiliated with. You know, this, this almost is like a legacy, you know, capturing a legacy. I may be able to say things to myself that people that are little known to people, you know, um, and I'm finding value well beyond the people I leave behind, you know, just to create this legacy of who I am and what I am. You know, so, so, but you that's, know, one, go on, go on. One thing I'd like to add to it and, and, and it is, you know, and, and, and this has really been developed and built out of our experience from the standpoint of making things easier for those you love after mm-hmm. But, What's really become impactful now on the heels of recently uh, Hurricane Harvey, Mm. Irma, Maria, uh, now Nate, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it is, you know, coming through, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I've, I've got it all organized. Everything's at home. It's in the desk drawer um, and those kind of things. And the millions of people who have literally lost. Everything. Oh, yes, I know. I and know. So, so, yeah, I, you know, I don't know when my last day will be here. You know, you know, I know mm-hmm. when I have to pay taxes, it's April 15th. I can wait until then to do it. Mm-hmm. When people tell me, well, I've got time, I'll wait. It's like, really? When are you going to die? So I don't know that. So there is some urgency to getting prepared. And hopefully I'm going to live another, you know, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. But what we've found is this end of life planning tool is really become a life planning tool because now in what we're referring to as our virtual vault, we are storing and securing all the clutter and documents and things in our life. And now we have them. So wherever I go, they are because they're stored and God forbid, you know, our house burns down or a tornado rips through or a hurricane or an earthquake or or Mm -hmm. natural disaster, some kind of flood and I lose everything. I haven't lost everything. Exactly. I've had every, I've had that experience recently myself. My infrastructure in my home crashed. Everything that I did not have a copy of on the cloud, I lost. Everything that I was able to so easily retrieve everything that was stored out in the cloud. I was really impressed with the ease in which the cloud gave me back everything. So I've become a fan of that despite the privacy concerns. So Right. It, to to address the privacy concerns, uh, if I may, you know, as I indicated, it took us about two years to really uh, get to the security protocols that we wanted because we understood that, you know, there's a lot of important information that people store and it has to be safe. And so mm-hmm. we use uh, the best security available today, uh, which is the AES-256. It's relied mm-hmm. on by, by the government, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the same one the government uses. 
we have military grade encryption mm-hmm. uh, on the platform. And so what that means for the listener to make it really simple is that everyone's information is encrypted when you upload, it's encrypted as it sits in the cloud at rest, and it's encrypted again when you download it. Hmm. Your encryption is the equivalent of 617 digits. Wow. Okay. Now, everyone's encryption is different. Even though Michelle and I share an account, her encryption is different yes. than mine. So unlike... It would take a particular key, you know, you take a particular key to unlock your encryption, a different key than it would take to unlock hers. Exactly. So, you know, from that standpoint, unlike when, you know, Target had their breach, Equifax had their breach, and and others did, when someone, they find a way into the the portal, they've got everything. Mm -hmm. If someone cracked into my account, they would have, my information. They wouldn't be able to access, you know, anyone else's. And that's mm-hmm. to figure out a 670. Yeah, that's right. They have to crack the encryption first. <laughs> so. The, the other way we've designed this is there's, there's, and we're zero knowledge, which means no one at our company can see anything. Anyone, hmm. you know, we can reset passwords and do those things, but we can't see what person stores in their account. Now there's going to be people who say not good enough. what I tell people is this, you don't have to put information in there that if someone actually got it would benefit them, but it would certainly benefit your family. So as an example, um, I can tell listeners today that I bank at a bank that's called park bank. Mm -hmm. I have a checking, a savings, a mutual fund and a CD and a money market there. We have a safe deposit box there. The key to that is in my upper desk drawer on the right-hand side. I have two life insurance policies, one through Prudential and one through Boston Mutual. There are no other life insurance policies sit there. My, my retirement plans are with LPL Financial. And you see where I'm going with this. All that information mm-hmm. does the listener who's listening to me now no good. That's right. That's right. But if I list that stuff out without details, such as account numbers and everything else, in my My Life and Wishes site, my family accesses that information when I die. Mm-hmm. It shortens and compresses the entire thing because they know, okay, it's at this bank, and here's the accounts dad has. We know these are two life insurance companies that we need to call. We know this. Of course, yes. Right? Yes. So, so even that information, which doesn't compromise you in being public, is a godsend to the family you leave behind. Yes, sir. Interesting. Very interesting. So now, um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about your book. I find the title so intriguing, Click Here When I Die. It's just such a clever title. Tell me a little bit about your book here. Yes, the book, uh, I, I really wrote it because I want to change the way people think about you know, death anymore. Obviously, I want people to be prepared. And so, as, as I think you can sense, I've got a, a sense of humor, which is the way I wrote the book. I mean, uh-huh. Heck, if we're going to talk about death, yeah, we might yeah, as well. Right? I'm, I'm all for talking about death and suicide and the other harder topics. They don't bother me at all. I'd love to 
to delve into those things. But I do need a lighter side. People can be pressed inside on these sort of topics. So Exactly. So what I dive into in the book is, is we talk about our experience and, and how it could have been so much easier. I talk to people uh, uh, and have stories in there about other people who have been through similar mm-hmm. scenarios um, as, as they go through. I talk about my childhood and, and why it was easier then uh, than it is today for, for people to, to plan. Okay. Yeah. We, we talk about, you know, why people don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the one that I love, I talk about in the book, we actually had done a survey, Lee, uh, about a year or so ago of, uh, baby boomers in the United States. Yeah. I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> and, and, and I'm there too, brother. Yeah. And 75 million of us. That's right. And, Less than 40% of the baby boomers alone have done any kind of end of life planning or discuss it with their family. And so we asked why, and some of the responses just were mind boggling. But the one that I loved the most was it's bad luck. It's bad luck. It's bad luck. <laughs> Talk about dying. And, and my only Uh-oh. response to Uh-oh. that is, okay, yeah. we, we talk about sex all the time. That does not make us pregnant. <laughs> Much like talking about death is not going to make us dead. I, I'm 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 confused by the bad luck response. This seems this seems like it's coming from a different place than I normally exist in. Right. So, but if he has reasons for thinking so it's bad luck, I have to respect his thinking. I'm just not sure that I understand his rationale. Exactly. Exactly. And and the thing is that, you know, having the conversation, it doesn't have to be a Debbie Downer. It's kind of one of those things that if, if I truly care about what the experience is like for my family, you know, when, when person passes away, the family is going to experience some emotions. There are two emotions, sadness and grief. Those Mm -hmm. are totally normal. I don't want to change those. Those are part of the healing process. People right. have to deal with that. But the emotions of anger, stress, frustration, confusion, those are totally unnecessary, completely avoidable. Hmm. So when That's a good I point. Ask, when I ask myself, what do I want it to be like for my family after I'm gone? I want them to be able to be sad and grieve me properly, but I don't want them to have you know, stress, frustration, thing, and all the rest of that stuff, which will delay their healing process hmm. in the planning. And so, therefore, I organize, create this roadmap because my life is complicated. Here's the roadmap that you're going to need. And so, I tell. The, the kids, I mean, the conversation could be as simple as, hey, look, guys, you know, I know you don't want to talk about this. It's never much fun, but you know what? We're all going to die. It's going to happen to me someday. When that day comes, here's what you need to know. Here's the information. You're going to click here when I die. It's going to provide you everything you need to know. What do you want to have for dinner? <laughs> I just I just love the title, Click Here When I Die. So um for my listeners, um John and I have been discussing off to the side a few ways we can get a copy of his book to a few of you lucky listeners. 
I will have details for you on how you might do that after this particular episode, after this particular conversation is ended. But I can assure you, visiting the show, show notes page will also give you the same information. So now, in, in, to use your website, what must a person do? Well, it's very simple. They simply need to go to my life and wishes, and and is a n d spelled mm-hmm. out. My I'll life have that in my show notes page. Wishes.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the website in and of itself is loaded with information, blogs, helpful tips, those kind of things. A short two-minute video of Michelle and I talking about why we created it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if a person doesn't want to mess with that, they just want to get started. Mm-hmm. In the upper right-hand corner of our page, there's a button that says try it for free. Mm-hmm. They click, they create an account, and they're in. Okay. Uh, at the moment, uh, there's a 30-day free trial. Okay. Where they can, you know, try it out and uh, and get started. And I'll share with that that we will absolutely do something special for for your insiders club. Lee. And that wraps it for episode number 35 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. I certainly hope that you, like me, are more motivated from that conversation to take a second look at your end-of-life plans and to start conversations with those who are in your life. This concern is growing in importance for our culture due to the average age of our population and other factors as well. Do your part for those that we leave behind. Show others in your life that you are being proactive in making these plans, and this will hopefully motivate them to take care of these kinds of issues in their life as well. Look on the show notes page for more information about John's site, mylifeandwishes.com. Insider Club members can find discount coupons to try out the services on the site to see if it meets their purposes. I will also be giving away copies of John's book titled Click Here When I Die. I love that title. The show notes page will detail the information that would allow you as an Insider Club member to get your own copy free. And you can also leave comments, give feedback, or ask questions of either me or John on the show notes page. The URL for the show notes page for this episode follows the usual pattern, innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA35. Go there to see all the stuff that has been mentioned here in this particular episode. And for those of you who haven't already, you can also join the Insiders Club here from the show notes page. This podcast is growing. More and more people are tuning in and turning on to the older, not old message. And there are several ways in which you can help this growth. One of the best ways is to leave an honest review of this podcast in iTunes. How does that help? The more favorable reviews a podcast receives, the easier it is to find when someone is looking for a podcast to listen to. So when you leave a review in iTunes, iTunes, you're bumping up the likelihood that someone searching will find this podcast. And I'll tell you what, if you leave any way for me to get in touch with you in your review, either a Twitter handle or a Facebook 
login name or any way or even an email address. If you leave any way for me to get in touch with you, I will send you a note of appreciation for the review and will mention your name on the podcast in an upcoming episode. I'm not sure if that's true motivation for you, but the podcast could most certainly use your favorable reviews in growing the message. Thank you for listening, and I hope you all found this episode to be useful. And so, until next time. Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lee Mo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's the inner game of aging, no spaces, dot com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.